Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and today we're going to be talking about the development as a coach and improving performance, whether in golf, martial arts, uh, baseball, you name it, what it takes to really improve uh, overall performance. And today's guest is Brandon Harris. He co-owns Premier Fitness Systems in Scottsdale, Arizona, a private training studio that specializes in helping people achieve increased well-being and optimal performance. They believe in movement efficiency is priority number one. Brandon Harris, welcome to the show, bud. Andy, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me, man. No problem. No problem. Before we get into the topic, tell us a little more about your journey as a coach, how you got to where you're at right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a journey. I mean, I'm, I'm 38 years old, so I've been doing this for, for a while now. I, I uh, have always loved exercise, fitness, and you know, I was an athlete when I was younger. Um, I studied kinesiology in college, and I went to ASU, so I've been here in, in Phoenix for, for a while now. And, you know, initially I worked as a personal trainer and, and just did that in the, the bigger box gyms and then eventually made my way into, you know, being a, you know, uh, starting my own business, working independently, and then starting Premier, uh, Premier Fitness Systems in 2010. So I think, I think my evolution as a coach has been, has, has really evolved around continuing to learn and, and being humble and trying to maintain somewhat of a growth mindset on a, on a daily basis and, and just realize that ultimately my goal is helping people. And the more I know, the better I can, I can achieve that goal. So, I mean, you learned or you started with a kinesiology degree, you started uh, with a personal training certification and it started like building up from there. Is there, uh, is there a reason you kind of went a certain route or you just kind of whatever came your way, you just kind of grab, grabbed onto it and just kind of kept rolling? Or did you have like a particular vision in mind? I mean, I think, I think there was always a vision of being able to impact more people. I tried to, mm -hmm. you know, I tried to let that, that, you know, drive my, my focus is, you know, ultimately helping people feel better. I mean, any, you know, you deal with people that are in pain, you mm -hmm. work with all different types of people. I mean, that's, you know, that's no fun. And anybody that's had pain that, you know, that sucks. Um, so there's that there's, you know, an athlete that's been injured. Like these are, these are scenarios that, you know, just are no fun. So I think, I think that was a big driver for me is to get better at being able to help people. I always wanted to work with athletes. That was something that was definitely a goal of mine was to, you know, get to a level where I could work with some elite athletes in sport. Um, but I don't know if I ever had a, a, a super clear vision of where I wanted to get. It was just I wanted to continue to grow and I wanted to try to increase my impact. Okay. Why Premier Fitness? Why that name? It's a, I mean, it's a great question. I, to be <laughs> honest, when we started, it's funny because my business partner and I, you know, the names are hard, right? You're, you're trying to come up with a, the perfect name. and 100%. That's why I ask. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, you, you – I bounced ideas off him. He didn't like them. He bounced ideas off me. We, you know, we had a different perspective. That a lot of the good names are taken already. You know, you need a website. Mm -hmm. You need those things. So I think, I think initially we, we thought about the importance of having a system, of having, of having principles, of having a methodology in 
what we were projecting to our clients, to our community. So the the Premier Fitness Systems is the direction we went, and and then I think it just works. You know, most people know us by PFS. You get a chance mm-hmm. to abbreviate it, but but that was our thought process: is the importance of having systems, the importance of having some uh, unique uh, methodology, uh, so that when we grow, we can maintain that that synergy. As far as developing as a coach, what are the one of the biggest struggles that you found uh, starting off in this journey of becoming a personal trainer and then building, basically then becoming a business owner, then being a person that people not only coaches around you looked up to, but then also your clients uh, looked at you for information. Where, what are the, like one of the struggles that you found uh, are one of the most common struggles that you found in this process? So I think early, early on, it's not being not being dogmatic. I think before you have, before I had to worry about marketing and I had to worry about a staff and I had to worry about, um, you know, rent and, and all of these things that go with the business. It was early on. I probably thought I knew, I knew too much. You know, I thought like I had it all figured out. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think earlier in my career, having some humility and, and, learning to be humble and that just because certain things work for me at 23, 24 years old, doesn't mean that they work for everybody and really trying to look at the science and, and remove biases that I had developed from my, from my, my growing up, right. We're all, we're all biased. You know, we all have these, these pre preconceived notions of what works. So I think that was, that was a big hurdle for me early um, is being aware of that. And then starting to understand, you know, what is really good science and what works. And then as I've, as I've progressed in the industry, I think it's, you know, as a business owner, it's, it's balancing time. It's, it's being good at time management. It's understanding how to market and, and network and do those things to to try to expand that growth. I mean, you, you know, I'm sure you're really, really aware of that. It's like, you know, if you're a business owner, you're, you're wearing a lot of hats Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's managing the time to be able to do all those things and not get too sidetracked on one specific thing. I mean, I think you mentioned, first of all, you mentioned a lot of things, one from the coaching perspective and one in the business owner's perspective. Because, I mean, a lot of coaches, especially if you go the private route, you are basically the, the you're the staff, you're the accountant, you're the marketer, you're the social media person, you're all that. But then also as you start uh, start off, I mean, really, we're always students of the game, as you mentioned, continue to learn. So you, you're always battling and challenging your own biases and challenging the approaches that you learn so you'll learn one approach and then you'll hear about this other approach that might challenge that or maybe um point into another perspective of it and you mentioned not being dogmatic and you know removing biases i think that's like a continuous continuing battle right especially with what we do it's in the human body is so complex and we're always learning something new, something, a new approach, a new perspective, uh, a new modality, something that can help, right? Something that can help uh, in the current case that we're trying to provide, whether it's a movement limitation, whether it's a pain issue, uh, whether it's a, a cueing or, a, you know, or a programming, we're always learning. But I think earlier on, I think what well, you mentioned, that dogmatic uh that's dog, dogmatic, almost like sticker, right? Where you're trying to improve, but then also you, you, you almost get in a sense of a standstill because, because you start learning so much, you start to become like, Oh man, I know a lot right now. I know, yeah. no, I'm good. I'm, you know, I don't need to learn anymore. I need to take any more classes. And then you hear about this other approach and how people are doing a little bit better than you. Um, 
so not being dogmatic and remo removing biases, I think, are a really good uh, approach and a really good uh, advice. Yeah, it's it's tough, right? I mean, there's a there's a concept called path dependence, hmm. and I see, you know, I, I I know it's it's been it's been used in other, um, you know, in other fields, but you know, basically, it's the phenomenon that that of path dependence is it provides a lens through which we contextualize how the legacy of our prior beliefs create influence on our current practice, right? Like. So I, I came up, I love training, but I read muscle magazines, right? I was reading, mm. I was reading muscle fitness and, you know, all of these things. So I had a, I had a bodybuilding bias. So even as, right, even as an athlete, you know, I, so I'm now becoming a trainer and a lot of my foundation was coming from muscle fitness, right? But I don't know if I was aware of that at 20, 22 years old, right? That, that I was extremely biased in that direction. And that might, that might work. For certain people, but it's not going to work for a lot of people. And and a lot of people aren't training for just hypertrophy. They're training for health. They're training for longevity. So I think that's a really good example that, you know, when we're younger, I don't think we realize like how biased we are uh, from our, our previous experiences, from the, the coaches that we've had. I think that's a big step for young young professionals in any industry is just to realize like, man, like we're, we're biased in everything. And if we can open our mind up and appreciate other people's perspective, have empathy for the environment that they grew up in or the environment that they're in, we can we have a a more balanced approach on how we can help people. Um, and and I, it took me a while to figure that out. Like I think even now at 38 years old, I'm realizing like everything matters, and I can have empathy for for somebody that you know maybe let's say even commits a crime and that's that's going a little bit far but you know that person probably came up in a you know in a rough environment and had and didn't have good coaches or, or good uh mentors so i think that's a good perspective to try to maintain yeah i mean i think about that all the time right even for myself when something happens to me or when somebody does something whether to me or to somebody i know or in general you think about man what did what did that person have to be going through in order to do that. For example, we talked about crime, but we can talk about the way somebody speaks to someone, uh, you know, they might have a terrible day and all of a sudden you approach them and you kind of ask something maybe they weren't too comfortable with and they just, everything they were feeling at that moment just went straight to you, right? So a lot of times I think that empathetic side, I think is super important. Um, one, because you never know what someone's, someone's going through. Whether yeah. it's uh, a mentor, whether it's uh, someone that you might meet, it might be a client, it might be a patient. Because sometimes I'm a big believer that no one, I don't think, I don't think someone wakes up in the, with the intention to do harm or to be a douchebag, right? right. Yeah, I yeah. think um, certain situations, certain things that that uh, that uh, happen to that person lead them to react a certain way. That's not to take away their their accountability, right? Not to say that it's someone else's fault, but I think. Uh, with a lot of variables that we have in this world, uh, I think approaching things in a more empathetic way, one, right, I think is going to help us react a little bit better, uh, but I don't understand the other person. And, and with that being said, the reason why we mentioned that is because now you create this openness, you you create this communication now where you allow the person to, you you allow yourself to be in that person's shoes and understand where they're coming from. 
And I think this goes full circle when somebody approaches you, let's say, for example, if it's a training method, if it's uh, a principal and you're like, wow, I, you know, I don't think that's correct. And, you know, they're coming at you pretty sharp or pretty, pretty hard with it. But you try to understand how they're coming up with those either analogies or that approach or that principle. And again, if it's if it's something a lot of times something that's creative was created for a reason. Right. All these approaches they hear, whatever name and brand they you know, we can talk about. Um, they're good for someone and for a particular purpose. Are they good for everyone? Not necessarily, but they were made because at least somebody was, was successful at one point for it. So being empathetic, right, for that person uh, to to understand where that person's coming from and to be open for the information that they're providing for you is not only going to make you a better person, but you're always going to learn uh, at, at least a little bit. Whether you agree with, their, with what they're saying or not, you're going to learn. Now, if you close yourself off from that, you just missed a big learning opportunity. And that's something I learned very early on. I mean, especially now with social media, there's so much information, so many resources flying at you literally every second. Um, but if you take the time, you don't have to analyze and understand everything. But if you take the time to just be open to that information, you'll be surprised how much information you'll get out of it. Yeah, no, 100%, man. I think I think we would, our world would be better if, if more people tried to take that approach and and I also think it's, you know, using social media, it's, it, I think it's for us, like you're on social media, you have a, you know, a great profile, a great page, mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to put out good content. I think it's important for us to try to create context. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's what I try to do is instead of it being a, you know, this is how you do something. It's, I try to provide context around the why and the thought process. And then I think that helps people learn. But I think unfortunately people are drawn to people are drawn to that the the wow the, factor. Yeah, the wow, the person that presents information like it's you know, it's an absolute truth. And I understand that. But I think yeah, I think it's 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 important to 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 just understand that there's there's a lot of complexity in the world, you know, and I don't know if there's I don't know if most things are black and white. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. I think a lot of things are absolute, or should I say, non-absolute, right? Yeah. There's a there. I think we live in the gray area. The more we can live in the gray area, the more we can take advantage of both the the black and the white. Why live in one spectrum or the other? Right. I think that's always cool. I think I love what you said. Uh, creating around the why, right? Not creating uh, because this is the truth, right? Because in a sense, right now, whatever the truth now, you give it ten years and be like, ah, we're not doing that anymore. Now we're doing this. But again, understanding those principles are, are, are super good, especially when creating content. Um, with that being said, as far as influences and stuff like that, would you say you had, or better, better yet, let me rephrase that question. Who was, or what was one of your biggest influences as you were developing as a coach? I know you mentioned uh, Muscle Magazine, but uh, did you have like people around you, maybe somebody local or somebody that you looked up to that, that you either wanted to train like, you want to learn more, or you wanted to imitate? Yeah, I think I think early on it was more, you know, even for myself it was probably more, um, you know, aesthetically driven. Mm -hmm. um, you know, after I stopped playing sports, the training became my, you know, it became my my thing. You know, it was it was, you know, that you get confidence from looking a certain way. It feels good to be strong. So probably early on it was more of the classic bodybuilders or even, you know, the, the physique athletes, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I got older, I also had some, some pretty significant back injuries and 
the big aha moment for me, and this is probably about 10 years ago, is, is I, I realized that I was fairly fit and, you know, I, I looked okay. But I started to realize that I wanted more out of training than just the, the aesthetics. Like there, I think there's a lot more to it. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look good. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that feels good. And, and there is some, some carryover, I think, from looking good into performing and all of those things. But I realized I just didn't move very well. And I was, you know, I think I, I didn't have solid principles to my own training. And that was when I kind of stumbled into the whole movement world, you know, movement culture world. Ido mm-hmm. Portal was a big one for me initially because he was doing stuff that was so foreign to me. Um, I, I was able to do a workshop of his in New York. And this was probably, probably like eight years ago. And that really opened my mind up and my eyes up to a, to a different way of looking at training, a different way of looking at movement. And that led me down that path. And I think now I've done kind of a full circle where I look at, I do more traditional lifting now. I deadlift, I squat, I push, I pull, but I incorporate, I incorporate more movement. I incorporate more, more flow, if you will, into different aspects of my training and it. And I feel great. I have, you know, knock on wood, my back has been probably the best it's been since I was really young. I'm just as strong, if not stronger. Um, physically, I look, you know, I think I look okay, you know, all of those things. So I think, I think he was definitely a big influence because of his, because his perspective was so different. And you, you know, you see that like, that's now, I think that's more mainstream culture. Now we see more of the, you know, you have the animal flow, you have all of the body weight calisthenic stuff. FRC was a big, a big a piece of the movement in the direction of mobility and movement. I think these are all really good, really good things that have probably balanced out the industry. And ultimately, it de- I think it depends on what you want, right? If you're working with an athlete that needs to be, you know, powerful and strong, I think they need to lift weights. They need, you know, they need to um, they need to, you know, be more resilient and they need to be able to put more force into the ground. Those things are important. If you have somebody that's, you know, it's more of a longevity approach, then maybe they do more yoga. They do more meditation. I think, and, and I think with most people, there's a balance or a blend of all of those things. Man, I, and I asked that question because I know from, I learned a lot more when it comes to conversation, hence why this podcast is has been created but i learned a lot more even in class right i learned more from listening to a teacher and then listening to the discussion than actually reading the book when it comes to reading i am probably the worst reader um as probably most of you can probably hear from when i read bios <laughs> i mess up all the time but i learn more through through story right and through that conversation um, and the reason I ask that question is because I learned really well through mentors. I learned really well through whether the coaches here, the strength coaches here at BFIT, or if I, you know, uh, start working with another coach or another PT, you know, I, that's, that's how I learned. And one of my biggest influences was uh, the karate movies, right? Bruce Lee was, I mean, and will ever, will forever be one of my biggest uh, inspirations, right? His, his uh, ability to to mix so many things without a problem. Like he, he, he crossed boundaries and barriers, like nobody's business. Everybody saw this guy and like, who is this agent's guy trying to now do movies and then now try to box and now try to do all this uh, martial arts guy. Who was this guy? 
this guy was the like pioneer of not only mixed martial arts but movement right he he yeah. always said he always said like why stick to one thing when you can mix everything right it's be water right that was just one of his staples um obviously he created jin kundo but that jin kundo is just like a mix of everything um and ito is kind of like a modern again i'm not gonna put them in the same uh pedestal but like he is the modern i want almost gonna say modern version right where he took so many elements of movement dance uh contemporary martial arts gymnastics calisthenics and try to make and made this community of basically movement enthusiasts but now providing all these elements um, and again, now you mentioned FRC, you mentioned all these principles that are now being more eclectic and holistic in the sense now it's not just about mobility, it's not just about strength, it's not just about neuroscience, it's about combining everything and putting into one. Um, and I think that's super important. I think especially as uh, as a practitioner, we talked about dogma- uh, dogmatics and we talked about uh, biases, like the best thing for you to be able to challenge yourself is to learn more from different people and uh influences as much as you want to read man go out there have a conversation with somebody that knows more than you that's how you're really gonna learn and i think uh yeah i think really really having those conversations with the people hence again this podcast um you you really learn from somebody you learn from their experience you learn from their trials and tribulations you learn from their errors but more importantly you learn their approach uh which i think is pretty cool so influences and mentors are super important yeah, man, and it's and it's funny you mentioned Bruce Lee because he's he's one of my favorites, and <laughs> and when I was so when I was in college, that actually so going back that far, I I went through depression in college, and I think it was because I was like, what the hell do I do with myself? I was mm-hmm. you know I had been an athlete, I was no longer an athlete. Here I am at you know ASU is a huge campus, or like uh, sixty thousand kids. I think now there's you know like ninety thousand kids. It's crazy. And I just felt lost. I didn't feel like I had connection. And I, I remember um, going to the Barnes and Noble. You know, back you know back then. I feel like I'm an OG now, man. It's crazy. Like, like kind of Barnes and Noble me, right? does that. Yeah. Like how old? How old are you, Andy? I'm uh, 27. If yeah, I'm you're, you're young, man. Like, so I got 10 years on you, man. So it's crazy. Like, it goes quick. Um, but Barnes and Noble, and I bought one of Bruce Lee's books and that changed my life, man. It was, What's, do you remember the name? Um, it's the one, it's like his philosophy book where it's, okay. uh, uh, John little, right. Is the, I think he is, I think he might've finished it for him. Okay. I can see the cover. I can't think of which one it was, the name. Okay, but no I, I, I have them all. And it was, th- but this book was, it talked a little bit about the philosophy of Jeet Kune Do, Jeet Kune Do. Mm-hmm. But it was more of like his poems, his, you know, I think, I think Bruce Lee, I think why he was so transcending was because he was a philosopher. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. I think Ito, getting to meet Ito, I think he's, he's a philosopher. I think, I think people that are that, that are that, um, that are that deep, you know, they can be a little tormented, you know, and, and maybe good and bad ways. Like when you when you see the world through a certain lens, I think it can be a tough world to live in. And yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I don't know that. I don't know if, I mean, if Bruce Lee was that way. I think I think he probably was a little bit. I think Ito probably has a little bit of that. But but I agree, man. You're, you know, you're combining a lot of things. You're, you're looking, you know, movement is everything, right? Like that's the thing is 
I think movement gets thrown around now like it's a thing, but movement is everything from breathing. Breathing is movement. You know, when I move my hand, like it's all movement and we're meant to move. So it makes sense in a society that doesn't move a lot to move more and mm-hmm. to, in, to integrate more ways to move and, and to learn to be creative with movement, I think is a very beautiful thing. I, I do think, I think though, when you get back to specialization and you're dealing with athletes, you have to be careful because I think, I think trainers will lose sight. Like you have like on one side, you have this movement, you know, movement culture, let's say. And then on the other side, you have classic strength coaches. I think there's a blend and it's the, the trick is, especially if you're a coach that's going to be working with athletes, is how much, you know, how much special, specialization does somebody need to be, to be, you know, productive at their sport and how much uh, variability, you know, how much variation do they need to be healthy? Because performance and health are not the same thing. And that's, a, that's, a, a, that's something I think about a lot is like, I probably went too far one direction when it came to athletic performance, too much movement variability, movement, movements, um, flow, if you will. But I think, I think we have to, you know, be really careful about who we're dealing with and what they need and what they want. Um, not to go on too much of a tangent, but, but yeah, I, I love Bruce Lee. I think, I mean, it's amazing, right? He, he passed away in his thirties, I believe. And mm-hmm. you, think, you think about the impact he's had. Like one of my favorite quotes is, as you think, so shall you become. That's a Bruce mm-hmm. Lee quote. And, you know, now, now, now meditation and mindfulness is starting to become uh, popular. And I think that's amazing. And that guy was, you know, he was thinking about that stuff in the, I guess the seventies and the eighties, he was ahead of his time when it came to, it came to a lot of that stuff. That guy, I'm, he must have time traveled for sure. I'm convinced that that guy time traveled or did some, I don't know what, and he just like transcended. And it's like you said, like once you, it's almost like once you know something, it's kind of very, not kind of, it's very hard to unlearn it. And once you see, like you mentioned, once you see something a certain way, like once you see something 360, it's kind of, on, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to see, unsee that. So, I mean, again, it's like, it's a double-edged sword. Like the more truth you start to, uh, or more, the more information you start to uh, try to uh, find, the more truth you're going to find. The more truth you're going to find, the more you start to see like what you're actually living in and what tends to happen on day to day is probably doesn't match. And you start to say like, how the, like, how, like, how, how can people do this, right? I mean, yeah. now, you know, movement, actually, okay, let, let me give you this, this thing right here. People used to smoke on an airplane and used to be okay. Yeah, for sure. I was watching, I forgot what movie I was watching. I was like, uh, I would literally die if I was in a plane and there was smoke. I, I'm like, how do people survive that? Yeah, so, for sure. It's, it, well, it's an example of a bias, right? Of a perspective that has shifted so much but at that at that time it, that was cool that was okay it was healthy right like come on mm-hmm. <laughs> so um and by the way tangents are uh, more than okay in this podcast so the more yeah. tangents we have the great my biggest my biggest role in this podcast is to make sure that no matter how far we go we always come back and streamline but tangents are okay i mean to go into it, i mean what we're talking about or what you were saying is variability 
uh, and basically context and approach, right? We talked about context before, and then you talked about movement variability. Bruce Lee was a big component of that early on. Edo is a big component of that. Like I remember listening to a video, he was, I think he was teaching, teaching a workshop and he was doing like the tennis ball punching uh, approach that he does with like coordination. But then he was also talking about like, if all you do is barbell, then that's no good. If all you do is rings, then that's no good. If all you do is floor work, then that's no good. You have to combine everything because you never know what you're going to need at a particular point. And to go back to your health and performance side, the athlete, I think the best practitioner, the best coach is not the person who knows the most, right? You can have this giant library of approaches and principles, is but it's knowing when to apply it to whom and when, right? Yeah, and you can have, again, percent, man. Yeah. yeah, you can you can have, again, a baseball player, right? You work with a lot of pro guys. Um, some might need some mobility work, right? And mixed in with some performance. Some might need some more movement stuff mixed in with some hand-eye coordination. It just depends. Now, is there going to be a particular moment in each and each other programming, right? You're still going to go through like hypertrophy and strength, but what time you allot to those would depend on the person. And I think that is super important. And then I think that's super important for people to hear because no matter what approach, listen, it happens to me all the time. You take a course, right? And you come back and all you do is elements of that course for the, like the next three weeks. Happens to me all the time. Like if I do a post or a content, guess what I'm thinking almost every time somebody comes in, I'm going to do that post because that's kind of like the first thing, not do that post, but do what I talked about in that, in that post or in the conversation I have with somebody because that's something that's already in your mind. Right. Now, when you, start to, when you start to challenge yourself a little more and you start to now amplify this library, now you have a greater responsibility, right? Back to that, I think it's a Spider-Man quote. With more power, or with the more power you have, the greater responsibility. The same thing with knowledge. The more knowledge you have, now you have the responsibility to use that appropriately. Just because you know something just doesn't mean like you can go freely and use however, learn the principles and then whatever. But um, I think, like I said, yeah, I think it's not only how much you know, but how you apply and when and to whom is what the is is what the magic sauce is. And again, that's why it's so important for you to continue to learn. But then uh, as you start to learn, you start to learn when to apply certain things. And as you learn the, the human in front of you, not the shoulder pain, not the hip mobility, not the impingement in front of you, the human in front of you and their goals and how you can help them, then that's when that's when health and performance almost mix in together. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, it's always context, right? It's, it's I 100% agree. I think I think the more tools you get, the better you are at connecting the dots. Yeah. And, nice. you know, and that's ultimately what it comes down to, but it's really, really complex because like everything matters, right? Like that's, that's one thing that I, that I think I realized the last few years is how dynamic, how complex we are as humans, as, you know, as organisms. And if I have, if I have a, you know, if I have to sit in traffic that morning that's going to create stress that that's going to play into how I, how I feel during my work day. If I'm supposed to be working out, that's going to play into that. Like it's so dynamic. It's so complicated that it's, it's really hard to say it's going to be this exact way. You know, you, you talked about like, you know, the difference between, you know, health and performance. And, and I think there is a, there is a sweet spot. Like there is, there is a, there's a spot where, Obviously, an athlete needs to be healthy so that they can perform. Um, but I think sometimes there's, you know, performance might, there's additional risk in increasing somebody's performance, right? Like, like um, I, I, 
performance involves involves being very specific at a task, um, which could negatively impact somebody's health. Right? Think mm-hmm. of MMA. Like an MMA fighter has to be good at hitting somebody, but that hitting somebody or being hit isn't going to be good for your health. Right? right? Health involves more variability, more resilience. But there's there's a there's crossover there, and where you where you put somebody really depends on what you've learned and what tools you have to make those decisions. Yes, I like it. Brandon, talk to us about, um, first of all, I mean, I know you, at least from what I've seen, golf and baseball, uh, it's basically what I see a lot of you guys working on, primarily you and uh, Andrew. Talk to hey, me about golf golf performance. What's Hey, real quick, Andy, Andrew's yeah. right, right in front of me, so we'll give him a shout out here. We got it. Oh, Andrew, what up, Andrew? Andrew? Tell him I say hey. what's up. Andy from uh, Andy says what's up. Um, I got Ando <laughs> PFS right here in front of me. So, yeah, man, we've got a cool team. We've got, um, you know, we've got a really cool team here, and and very fortunate, very blessed to have some good coaches around around me that, you know, that drive me to be better. Mm-hmm. And you got to get you got to get Ando on the podcast too, man. He's a I do. he's Listen. a good. He's a good interview. It's it's hard to get all these all these uh, figures on here, man. And, you know, I would love to get everyone all at once, but the idea is we're growing little by little, little by little. Yeah, man. What, so when it comes to golf uh, performance, I guess what are some assessments or some things that you look for, and then what are the key performance, uh, I guess, indicators that you look for, uh, in order to improve these athletes? Yeah, it's a, another great question, man. I think it's evolved a lot for us. I think. I think we, you know, we currently are looking very much at people from a, from a respiration model or from a a pressure model. So that's kind of stemmed off of a a lot of the PRI, some of the DNS stuff. Um, So Bill Hartman, who's a PT out of, uh, out of Indianapolis, he he works at IFAST. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's a pretty interesting guy. And our, our PT here, Dr. K has seen him. Um, one of our coaches has been out and seen him. So I, I think, I think kind of, he's kind of taken PRI and kind of spun it off. And I think he looks at it through a little bit different lens, 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 excuse, excuse me, which makes a lot of sense. So, you know, looking at how somebody breathes, looking at where they move air, uh, looking at their, their diaphragm and in connections with their pelvic floor um, will tell us a lot about somebody's movement capabilities at you know at their at their shoulder at their hip, and so obviously a golfer, a baseball player, any you know any rotary athlete needs certain prerequisites need needs certain ranges of motion to execute their sport, and I think that's that's a really good place to start. So it becomes less about you know what muscles are tight. Uh, what muscles are, are, you know, are overly stretched and it becomes more about how they're managing pressure in their body mm-hmm. and understanding that we've been, we've been better at helping people make change. So it's a little bit different perspective, but I think it, I think it, the model makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's something that I want to, you know, continue to really dive down into and, and learn more about. So after you uh, uh, assess this, the breathing, the pressure systems and get them going, what are a couple of things from there that you tend to work on? And what are some of the issues that uh, some golfers 
or I guess what are the most common issues that golfers have? So I, I think you, you tend to see lack of hip extension. Hmm. So, and I think that's kind of a human issue. So it's, you know, the orientation of the pelvis tends to be probably anteriorly oriented and, you know, they're starting to lose hip extension. They're starting to use their back, uh, to, to extend, extend the hip. And if they're stuck in that position, that's going to decrease their ability to rotate. And it's probably going to put additional stress on their, on other aspects of their body, like their lower back. So you have an athlete that's constantly rotating one way and then they're stuck in this position. And I, and I think now I think it's more about how they breathe and it's about other things. Mm Mm-hmm. So what's cool about breathing is if you get somebody, if you understand that and you can get somebody to restore hip extension by driving uh, counter nutation of the pelvis and you can get some posterior expansion of the thorax and they're moving air, it's like their hip extension will restore quicker. Um, and then we and then we train somebody, right? So at, at that point, we're using breathing as a, a assessment tool, as a reset strategy. Mm-hmm. And then now it's like, let's go, let's go train positions. Let's go get people strong. And then it's a combination of mobility, you know, FRC stuff, activation stuff and classic strength training, get, you know, getting people really, really solid in, you know, in the sagittal plane first, having them control the sagittal plane. Um, and that we, I think we tend to see that carry up, carry over into the frontal plane and, 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 you know, transverse plane. So somebody that, needs to be efficient in the transverse plane if you can restore their sagittal plane uh then you know the other things start to clean up and and i think too as a trainer you know i'm not i'm not a physical therapist like i i still think i think trainers need to train people so i think you know it's it's good to have someone like yourself that you're connected with have a pt on staff and make sure that we understand like it doesn't mean that i can't do a lot of prehab stuff with people but mm-hmm. I, I think i think trainers too we need to think about capacity and, and increasing somebody's ability to uh to do more work their work capacity i think those are really important too and maybe in a lot of situations it's maybe more important um you know if somebody's not in pain if somebody's in pain maybe that changes the equation a little bit but yeah yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, breathing is super important. And I think we don't know. I think we're constantly learning more and more about it and how the, the benefit. I mean, someone listening might be saying, what? All I got to do is breathe better and I'm going to move better? Better? Um, yes and no. Obviously, there's context, right? It also depends on what other variables. But breathing is also a big component, right? It's one of those uh, things that we do really terrible job of doing. <laughs> um, so understanding that is one of those key components. Um, and I can't agree more with that sagittal plane as I, a lot of stuff that I see here sen- tends to see like a rotational issue, right? There's some issue within an anterior or posterior uh, sling that, again, that rotational issue or restrictions, whether it's malfashion restrictions or whatever, even a breathing issue sometimes. But when I feel like sagittal plane, when you start to move in that sagittal plane is a lot easier to progress somebody from there and, and help them understand that. Because most people can understand, right, bending over, hip hinge, right, squatting down, vertical, and that vertical plane. But now when it comes to, when it comes into rotation, they're like, uh, what you want me to do? What exactly? Um, so, I, I mean, I completely agree. That sagittal plane is, is one of the things we start off as well, especially in rehab and reconditioning, right? Again, the only difference between 
strength training and rehab is the phase that that person's in. The only right. difference is the fact that that person's in pain. And a lot of times that end version of rehab is similar to the either late, uh, early stage of reconditioning or, or strength conditioning or the medium or the middle part of it. There's right. really, and that's how it should be. It shouldn't be like, oh, you're in pain and you're only going to do this and you're strong. So you're only going to be doing this. The idea is, what, and what we're starting to see now with uh, PT, reconditioning, this sports medicine type of uh, model is, is now making that a continuum, not just, okay, you're injured, you're getting rehab, and oh, by the way, you're not strong enough to do this, but see ya, you know, good luck. No, now it's getting you as close to better than injury than you were, and then hand you off to a coach like yourself, or going back into high school, or go back to college, or go back to... Uh, like we have a strength conditioning facility here uh, that we have the the opportunity to be a part of here at BFIT. Um, and we hand them off to the coaches. And they're now, now we're setting them up for success, not setting them up for this um, almost frustration. Because I think before the healthcare, healthcare model was like, okay, you have 12 sessions. Um, this is all we can do with you because it's all we can pay for or this is all that we can uh, charge you for or whatever. And... Well, at least you're less in pain, but yeah, I want to go back into working out. I want to go back to tennis. Hey, I want to go back to playing golf. I don't want to go uh, three holes and all of a sudden my back gives out. Um, so what you're starting to see is now that continuum, that that gray area being more of a gray area. And sometimes it can be a little bit of a problem in the sense of uh, how people manage their scope of practice, right? Um, whether it's, you can name it whatever practitioner, but Again, that that continuum should always be like that. It shouldn't be one spectrum or the other. The idea yep. is to help this human go from point A to point Z, right? And to the one most efficient way as possible, but also uh, making sure that we're accounting the human first. Um, so yeah, to go, to go back to that, what you mentioned is, again, that strength conditioning side is super important and that sagittal plane. Uh, I think a lot of, again, you start to hear, oh, functional and you have to be, uh, you know, movement variability. Awesome. We talked about that. That's super important. But in a beginning stage, I find sagittal plane to be very important and not only in the uh, progressive stage of it, but also getting the client, the patient to understand what the heck we're trying to get them to do. Because again, if they don't understand, it's going to be it's going to be hectic because the idea is, especially how I work is and we work here is the more the patient, the client, the person knows of what we're doing and the more we can integrate them into the process it's a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, I think in, in the personal and training space, and this is you know, part of with, with social media and Instagram is it's like, you know, sexy cells, right. You know, and, <laughs> but the problem with that is if you can't, if a person can't control their, their pelvis in space, if they can't mm -hmm. control the rib cage in space, if they can't, if they can't shift their weight, you know, and something like you said, a simple mm -hmm. hinge or a simple squat, you know, in, in a simple bilateral position, what are they going to do? You know, what is going to happen and how much breakdown is going to occur doing something, doing something fast, something ballistic, you know, I think, I think that's an issue, right? Is it mm -hmm. that, you know, people, and if somebody, if somebody has never been in pain, they might, they might move like crap. They just haven't, you know, it just hasn't manifested itself into pain yet. You know, you see yeah, people, capacity. Yeah. Right. Like, you, you know, you, you know, you see people all the time on the gram that are doing something and, you know, the form is questionable, but I mean, it might work for them, but it's, you know, just because that, that one girl has a really nice butt or, or guy, right. I don't, 
you know, has this amazing butt and they're doing, you know, this crazy arched extended uh, variation of a deadlift, you know, it, it, it might work for them for a bit, you know, but most likely something's going to break down, but we don't want, you know, we don't want people to emulate that thinking that that's how you build, you know, the perfect butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, com- it's complicated, right? It's, you know, I think that's the gist of this conversation is that there's a lot of variables that come into play, um, including connection and buy-in, right? And I think mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most maybe maybe overrated or maybe not. But you know, as a coach, as a PT, as a therapist, if you if you care about your client and you can connect and you can demonstrate that, I think that's that's extremely powerful, right? I think that maybe is the most powerful piece is that. Just having that, having that connection, having that relationship, um, you know, having somebody that actually really authentically wants to see you get better and isn't just going to jam you through a process and, you know, see you for 15 minutes and then push you off to the next person. That That's really important as well. You hit it right on the head. That was awesome. Interaction is key. I mean, that's the first, inter- I mean, that's the first that's the first step. I mean, that's what I call the first treatment, right? That conversation, where are you at and how can I help you and how can I meet you where you're at? And the same thing for, again, even if you're a strength coach and stuff like that, the more we can interact and the more we can bring the human into the the, the equation, the more that performance and that health is going to really going to skyrocket. Yeah. Um, how can, how can the listeners uh, reach out to you, Brandon? Uh, email, social media, let me have it. Yeah, so we so so Instagram is obviously a big big part of our business. My uh, my profile is Brandon underscore PFS. Okay, and that's uh, you know that's kind of my you know you see a lot of training stuff. You see you know a lot of like uh, a lot of pictures of me and my dog, and you know me, <laughs> me being outside. I like to be outside. I've got a you know cool little gym space in my backyard too. By the way. You have an no, no. Let's don't don't downplay that thing. You have a phenomenal little like nice rig, nice just setup out there. I love it. I'm a little jealous sometimes. Yeah, man. Hey, you you can come out anytime. I, t- I mean, anybody that's hearing this that wants to come to Phoenix and and train with me in my backyard, you're welcome because I've I've got this dream of having this you know this community of people that. And I, and I do, I'm fortunate to have some good people around me, but I would love to grow it. You know, it's like, it's coffee in the morning, you know, like we got a really, really nice, a local coffee shop. We walk to get coffee and then train and then, you know, do some barbecuing and, you know, something like that. That's like my ideal day. Um, um, this is a little off topic, but when you were constructing that uh, playground that you got behind your house there, did you hear, if you build it, they will come? <laughs> I, I did. Did you just- continue to hear that in the back of your head i'm still waiting man i uh it's funny (laughs) you say that man because so um i track my deep sleep i'm a big believer like the more deep sleep you can get and i've been on this like mission of trying to figure out you know how to get better deep sleep so i meditate Mm -hmm. i've got an ice bath i wear blue light blocking glasses you know i do all these things and i feel like i figured it out and then you know my deep sleep goes to shit so it's like (laughs) i don't know if i haven't figured out but so last last night, I took uh, New Mood by On It, and it's, okay. like, it's like a sleep. I, I don't even know all that's in it, and I had the wildest dreams, and I was told that from uh, a, a good friend of ours and client of ours, Scott Stallings, who's a PGA golfer. He's awesome. He's actually a really cool guy to check out because he's a 
probably the fittest guy on the PGA tour and has had this crazy transformation in his health. And so he was dealing with a lot of like autoimmune stuff. And that was, that was preventing him from, you know, seeing some change in his body. And now he's, he's shredded. The guy's a workout machine, but he was, uh, he was telling me about this new mood because he's an on it guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, just be careful. Cause it, you'll get some crazy dreams. So last night was my first night taking it. And I had like a dream about people coming to my backyard and it was, but what happened was I couldn't get him to leave. So I have like all these people like jumping my fence and hanging in my backyard and then I couldn't get him to leave. And it was like this nightmare of like people, oh, no. people were using my gym all night. So it's, it's kind of ironic that you say that because I was literally dreaming about that last night. So. You see, you were basically you were having a dream about being on this podcast. I think that's what I think that's what the underlying message is. It's very possible, man. <laughs> very possible. Uh, so we have your social media. Uh, this uh, PFS have a, a social media. Or it does. Yeah. yeah. So premierfitnesssystems.com. That's going to be our website. Okay. Um, and we've got some, you know, some cool information there. Um, we we've the last couple of years we started to do a lot of online training. So we're we're creating programs. Uh, for individuals and then also for golfers it's like that's a big niche of ours being in scottsdale so you know like you, you know and and opfs like he's got mm-hmm. all kinds of really cool golf specific training and programs on our website and then the instagrams as well and then um pfs golf that's that's another one of our instagrams so that's uh specific to golf and that's just pfs golf no underscore and then we have a we have our like main page, which is just PFS Fitness. Okay, awesome. And uh, listeners, don't go crazy trying to write this down. Uh, you should see this at the bottom of the show notes. Um, I'll have all the links on there. Um, any books that you recommend, Brandon? Um, and if so, and if so, maximum of two. <laughs> just just two, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let me let me think about this. Um. I think move your DNA is a, is a really good read. It, it's Katie Bowman. She is a, she's a biomechanist and she's kind of a natural health. Uh, I don't want to say guru. I hate that word, but, but like, you know, into, you know, being barefoot, but from a smart perspective, like talks about how it's beneficial, but how it can also not be depending on the person and just talking about like exposure to, uh, to movement variability, to, to being in nature, all of these things. I think that's a really good read. That was something I read a few years ago that, that had a good impact. And I'm trying to think of second, a second book that I've been into. Um, uh, let me think. Give me, give me like, give me a. That's okay. One, one is great. I'll just is, say if you, have, if you have more than one, let's maximize it to two. Sometimes I get a, a list on here. It's hard to yeah, yeah. So move your DNA is a good one, and then I I like the book Outliers. I've Outliers. read that yeah by Malcolm Gladwell. That's another one that I think is. I mean, he talks a lot about environments and and Ooh, I like that. yeah, and being unbiased. Um, that's a really good read for everybody because that's like basically breaking down how like how the, how the environment, how the situation affects us, you know? And I think that's, that's a good understanding to have. Okay. Those are two good books. And again, I'll put them at the bottom of the, uh, 
podcast show notes here and you can uh, have the links to those. Now, last two sections of the podcast. Uh, the second to last is speed round. Speed round is basically, I have a couple questions here. Um, basically, it's just for us to get you to know you, Brandon Harris, a little bit more. Uh, they're funny, might a little bit, maybe corny, some some of these questions, but um, there's always, it's always a good time when I ask these. So. Okay. Uh, so it's called speed round because you have 0.3 seconds to answer the, the question. 0.3 is an arbitrary point. number. That's Point really, I, yeah, I just, I just made up that question. I just made up that number. Really, whatever comes to your head. Uh, the first thing, whatever comes to your head is the first thing you say. Um, yeah. And it's okay to be nervous about this. Are we, are we, are we, like, are we running out of time? Or are you on a time? Like we're probably, I mean, I get, I get a little bit of time, but no. I, I can get so carried away with stuff. So you need to you know, tell me to. <laughs> um, we're good on time, but I make this uh, short just so it's just a lot funnier. I just think it's a good time when you have limited amount of time to think and sometimes you get nervous and you shout out the first usually the first thing you think about is what you meant to say so that's why i give it a time so you know uh coach pop from the san antonio spurs right so he's uh -huh. he's coaching usa basketball right now and i saw on on uh on sports center last night he does a thing with his players that they have 0.5 seconds <laughs> to either shoot or pass so that's why i thought it's kind of ironic like Oh, that's funny. Like, does this thing, like, you can't, you you have to make up your mind in 0.5, so. Exactly. I mean, great minds think alike, man. Hey, you see? Wow. What? But you're, you're 0.3. That's even harder. <laughs> I was I was heading in the right direction. Yeah. Coach, right. Pop definitely, Coach Pop definitely has a lot more experience than I do in this realm, so. Yeah, give, it, um, give it 30 years and you got him. <laughs> so, are you ready for this uh, speed round, Mr. Brandon Harris? All right. First question. What's your greatest fear? Greatest fear is not having a big impact, not being able to help people. Okay, that's that's one of my fears. I, I say all the time, I'm not scared of dying. I'm scared of not doing everything I want to do before my time comes. Yeah, I hear and you. Similar, I'm like, I have so much that I want to do. And it's not like egotistical or selfish, but there's so much things that I want to kind of spread. Similar to like what you're saying as far as impact that... It would be a shame not to be able to do that. But yeah. this is why we have this podcast. But in the case that does happen, where well, at least we're sharing some of it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Not to get too gloomy. Um, all right. Next question. Are you ready? Yes. If you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Grass-fed ground beef. Wow. We're going for the meat. Grass-fed hey. meat. Got to be good quality, but I can, okay. I can hammer the good grass-fed. Last. Last part of the podcast is uh, I give three thanks. The first thanks goes to you, Brandon Harris, for taking the time to jump on this podcast with me and share um, some really good value. Uh, we talked about training. We talked about mental. We talked about mindset. We talked about program. We talked about movement. We talked about a lot of things. Um, and I appreciate you jumping on this podcast and sharing some time with me and the listeners. The, sec the second thank you goes to the listeners. They could have been doing anything right now. They could have been watching the newest Iron Man movie or the oldest Iron Man movie or any Tony Stark movie. Um, but they decided to uh, listen to this episode, listen to this podcast. Um, again, we have this wonderful platform that we're able to use, but there's no one to listen. It really doesn't mean much. So thank you very much for taking the time, whether you're on the way to work, whether you're on the way to school, maybe you're on your way back from work. It's been a long day. And you decided to hang out with us. So thank you very much uh, for taking the time to listen to Connecting Move Radio. The, the third thank you is to our clients, to our patients, to our students. Um, 
for valuing what we what we love to do, whether it's talking on the podcast or treating patients or working with uh, athletes or you know strength and conditioning side, whatever it is. The fact that you allow us, excuse me, to help you uh, and to share your health and strength and conditioning journey, your fitness journey, your journey in general, uh, we really appreciate it. Um, so this is a thank you to you for allowing us to do what we do. Um, because again, we can have all the passion and all the information on the knowledge in the world, but if there's no one to share it with, it really means nothing. So thank you very much. Now, with that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you, and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and see you on the next episode. Hold up.